Tale Eight of the Story of King Arthur. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by phone. The Story of King Arthur in Twelve Tales by Winona Caroline Martin. Tale Eight: The Dolorous Stroke. And there, with morning, Merlin came. And on the tomb that told their fame, he wrote by Balon's Balin's name, and gazed thereon, and wept. Swinburne's Tale of Balin Once, when Arthur was holding his court at Carleon, up to the castle gate there rode a messenger from our old acquaintance, King Reigns of North Wales. This was the giant, you will remember, from whose clutches Arthur had rescued poor old King Leodogran of Cameliard, thus winning for himself not only glory but what was former precious to him his beautiful bride guinevere reigns it would appear had by this time somewhat forgotten the lesson taught him then by britain's young overlord for he was once again worrying about that famous mantle of his whose fringe still lacked the twelfth king's beard with which the old giant wished to trim it so the message now came to arthur much as it had come to leodogran long ago if you do not send me your beard peaceably and of your own accord i will march against you with a great army and take it and your head along with it so beware at that threat however arthur and all his knights broke into a merry laugh tell your master said he to the messenger that i am not yet old enough to have a beard worth sending but tell him also that if he wants it such as it is he can come and fight for it after which Arthur, having many more important things to think about, completely forgot the matter for a time. Some weeks later, however, when the court had removed to Camelot, Arthur's favourite capital, the dim rich city of shadowy palaces, news came that Rience was marching in that direction with his great army of giants, burning and slaying the king's loyal subjects as he came. Thereupon Arthur sent out the alarm, and there gathered together from far and near all the noblemen of Britain, ever ready at a moment's notice to flock to the standard of their liege lord and crush the enemy one day therefore when this great company of knights was assembled in the king's council chamber planning the campaign against rience there suddenly appeared among them a maiden wearing an immense sword damsel said arthur according to his custom stopping all proceedings to listen to the plea of one in trouble why are you thus armed are there not brave knights enough in my kingdom to champion the cause of all fair ladies in distress this is a reproach to me for did i not promise the lady of the lake when she gave me excalibur that i would make the land so safe that no maiden should ever again need to bear a weapon sire replied the damsel sadly i wear this sword because i cannot take it off it was put on me by enchantment and i have been told that one of the knights here at your court is the only person in all the world who can ever draw it from its scabbard and thus set me free from the curse doubtless maiden you have been correctly informed said arthur with just a touch of pride in his voice for where in all the world are there such knights as mine then he called his following about him and told them beginning at the youngest and least proven to try in turn this adventure of the sword so they came those stalwart young fellows and pulled and tugged without success until the maiden said wearily you need not try so hard he who can draw it at all can draw it easily the king however was not yet greatly worried for there still remained his older knights true and tried 
who had not made the attempt presently it was garrett's turn he who had vanquished day and night and death himself and he stepped forward and pulled and tugged and failed then came geraint who had humbled the haughty sparrow-hawk and he pulled and tugged and failed then tristram whose prowess in times past had delivered both cornwall and ireland and he pulled and tugged and failed at this the king turned still confident to his dearest friend the mighty launcelot before whose lance king duke earl count and baron had ever gone down and he pulled and tugged and failed last of all arthur himself remembering how long ago he had drawn the sword from the anvil and unwilling that his court should be thus put to shame made a trial also so he pulled and tugged and failed my knights said he when all was over i greatly fear that this has come to us as a warning that our purposes are no longer as single as in the days of old let each man present look to his own heart and life lest the aim of our noble fellowship be defeated then a deep hush fell upon them all and they dared not look into each other's eyes for shame of this thing that had befallen them at last the maiden was about to turn hopelessly away when from a far corner of the hall there stepped a poorly clad knight known as balin the savage he was not of arthur's company but he had killed a relative of the king's for which offence he had been thrown into prison until arthur had learned that all had taken place in a fair fight then arthur the just had released the young fellow who as it happened had not yet left the court this night therefore after asking permission of his sovereign bowed low to the maiden and said courteously fair lady will you let me try perchance this adventure is mine but the damsel wearied as she was looked at balin's prison-worn garments and answered a trifle scornfully no pray do not trouble me any more what can you expect to do when all these good knights have failed do not judge me by my outward appearance gentle maiden persisted the youth many a brave man has worn poor raiment before now i pray you let me try then having won her reluctant consent he took the sword lightly by the hilt and drew it from its scabbard as easily as arthur had drawn his from the anvil in those brave days of old after which he held it up a trifle proudly and thought that he had never seen so beautiful a weapon before presently he said fair lady may i keep this sword as a trophy to which the maiden ashamed of her former conduct toward him who had proved to be her deliverer was about to consent most willingly when she chanced to look toward merlin in whose eyes she read a mysterious and gloomy prophecy she hesitated therefore and at last said slowly speaking as if she were repeating the words of another rather than her own you may have it sir knight and welcome but i advise you not to take it for if you do it will cause you to do great harm and with it you will at last slay the man whom you love best in all the world now this balin had earned his title the savage because of the good-natured recklessness of his disposition hearing this strange prophecy therefore he never thought of heeding it but cried out instead of that damsel i will take my chances for my brother balon is the man whom i love best in all the world and i certainly will never raise a sword against him then the maiden yielded and passed from the hall and balin would have followed her had not the king called him back do not go said arthur and do not be angry with me because of my mistake in throwing you into prison stay with us now we pray you and be one of our own number 
at which invitation the lad's heart leaped with pride and joy yet he answered i thank you sire but i beg you to let me first go forth to seek adventure then when i have proved myself worthy i will gladly return if i may so he departed and when arthur found himself alone with merlin he turned to the wise one with a wondering look in his deep blue eyes can it be merlin said he that this balin is the greatest knight in all the world who is some day to appear to take his seat in the siege perilous ah no replied the sage the time for him is not ripe nevertheless this balin wild and careless with his weapons as he sometimes is is a passing good knight and will do you good service yet much harm shall also come through his rashness and his own life will be short and sad meanwhile balin knowing little of these prophecies and caring less rode on his way rejoicing in his freedom until he presently met his twin brother balon who was coming to arthur's court to plead for the prisoner's release after the first joy of their meeting balon informed his brother that king reens was at that moment encamped nearby at castle terrible let us go against him then cried balin impulsively he is arthur's enemy and this is my opportunity for proving myself in the cause of the great white king balon was willing enough to agree so he wheeled his horse about and rode with his brother until they met an old man dressed in black with a long white beard knights where are you going inquired the stranger to which balin the hasty one replied that we will tell you if you will tell us your name i will not answer your question but i will answer my own instead said the aged man after which you will be able to answer yours you are bound for castle terrible in search of arthur's enemy reigns but you will gain nothing by your quest unless you ask my advice then both the brothers cried out together ah you are merlin you are merlin pray forgive us for our rudeness and tell us what we must do so the wise one led them into the shadows of a deep wood and told them to sleep there until he should awaken them this they did and towards midnight were suddenly aroused by the cry reince is coming he is riding through the wood with his soldiers before him wait until they have passed and when the king himself appears you can fall upon and easily take him prisoner in fact they had not long to wait for presently a company of giant knights rode by then at just the right moment merlin whispered there is reince make your attack thereupon balin and balon rushed forward making such a din and clatter with their arms that the soldiers hearing this terrible noise at their rear never stopped to investigate but thinking that arthur's whole army was lying there in ambush fled for their lives abandoning their sovereign to his fate thus was reens captured and brought to the court of his rightful liege lord where he did homage most humbly and was never afterwards known to trouble arthur again Balin, however, felt that he could not rest on the laurels of this one achievement. Parting from his brother, therefore, who seems to have had other work on hand, he rode along by himself until he chanced to meet with a knight and a maiden, both of whom appeared very sad and dejected. Instantly it occurred to our hero that here might be an opportunity for another adventure. So he said to the knight courteously, You seem to be in trouble. Is there any way in which I can help you? Alas! neither you nor any other human being can render me any assistance replied the knight with a bitter sigh why i have made an enemy of garlon the man who writes invisible and he may strike me down at any time without the slightest warning 
but at least i may ride along with you may i not inquired balin yes if you wish was the hopeless reply so the three rode on together but they had not gone far when suddenly there appeared in the air seemingly with no hand to guide it a lance which struck the knight from behind so that he dropped to the ground crying i am killed take my horse sir knight for he is better than yours care for this maiden as you honour your knighthood find this traitor who rides invisible and avenge my death and with those words he died then it was balin's turn to be sad and silent for brave man though he was he was filled with horror at the thought that an enemy could steal upon him thus but presently his anger at the cowardly conduct of this garland so flamed within him that he forgot his dread and vowed there before the maiden never to relinquish the quest